Der Fußball ist zurück in der zweiten Liga. Jabo macht Tempo, wartet auf Harte. Herzlang gekommen und jetzt ist es Klos. Also Arminia Bielefeld. Penny 2-0. 2-0 für den FC St. Pauli. Diese Flanke, Tor, nächster Treffer. Es heuer Fernandes mit vorne. Ja klar ist er mit vorne. Kittel mit der Ecke. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Spider Bundesliga podcast. Today we have a massive show. The international break has been punted away until March. Match day 21 was back with a bang. Today we'll discuss all the action from the weekend, the big, the crazy, and the downright outrageous. So let's get to it. As always, alongside me to discuss all the action from the Spider Bundesliga is the one and only Eva Lotte Baller. Eva, good morning. Uh, how are you today? <laughs> Funny that you're still asking me that after, I know it took us like 20 minutes to actually get a setup that works more or less. Um, just, I apologize in advance if there are any kind of, um, I don't know, hiccups during this episode. Our Wi-Fi decided not to work like we wanted to work. Mm. Um, so this is all very improvised what we, what is happening right now. Um, maybe and maybe um, that was the same what was going on at Darmstadt on the weekend and plenty of other clubs that I don't know something just didn't just did decide in the morning no I'm not going to work today and um, yeah this is this is probably my only mainly was their defense but this is one of my few explanations on why that game did that what they did <laughs> Yes, Eva's internet is very much a foreshadowing event of what took place at the Merkstadion am Ballenfeld Tor, where Darmstadt took defending to a more figurative place. 5-0 at home to Hamburger SV, uh, and it was really one man who was picking them apart. Uh, it was Robert Glatzel. And it seems that people are now buying stocks on Glatzelplatz because it is now time. The man is showing up and with a big way. His four-goal performance makes ensures that he now has 14 goals this, of this season and he is just one behind Guido Borgstaller and Simon Terodde. It is, in theory, the third, third fastest hat-trick in spider Bundesliga history behind Niels Peterson's five-minute hat-trick against Nürnberg in the 2015-16 season and Ronnie Koenig for VNV Spiden against Köln uh, in the 2007-08 season. Uh, he did that within a six-minute period. Uh, what an incredible game this was. Uh, three goals in the opening 13 minutes. It was a Glatzel masterclass. It was a disaster class from a defensive perspective from Darmstadt. We know they weren't the only ones on this match day who completely fell to pieces in the first half anyway. But a mass it was a massive win for Hamburg and a statement win when you consider that the teams around them all took, up, took the three points. Yeah, and I mean, um, I think the way they, they used that uh, first 15 minutes was very impressive, not only because of um, what uh, what Glatzer did, but also how well they outplayed Darmstadt. I mean, they always put pressure on Bada and Pfeiffer, and they couldn't really do a lot um, in this defending back line, and especially Bada had a very horrible day. Um 
throughout this game. I mean, he, he had a lot to go against and didn't really manage it well. Uh, one or actually two players I want to point out, except like outside of Robert Glatzel, obviously, are um, Mio Muheim, um, really really good free kick for the for the first uh, the second goal. I don't mm-hmm. think it was the second goal. Yeah. Yep. Um, really good free kick, really well pointed, um, very well. And obviously, Moritz Haya was really good in this game as well. A um, lot going for in every situation where uh, Hammock chose that quick attacking. He was involved. Um, really, really good game by him. And in general, um, you couldn't really see that Sonny Kittle was missing from this team uh, because they executed everything. Tim Walter wanted very well i mean you have to say and i know we've seen this in the past um we do wonder what would have happened if glatzer missed out on the first two opportunities because part of this game was that hammer completely over like rolled over Darmstadt in the first 50 minutes so they couldn't even establish any kind of Play and I mean we say, we have seen it after the goal that was taken away from from Aaron Seidel that Darmstadt were did have some kind of confidence going forward again but then Hamburg did scored the fourth goal and it was all done and dusted kind of but um yeah it's, I mean it's always a question whether it would have gone differently if they didn't have that chance by me it's just a, probably to could have, would have, whatever. Um, so, yeah, I mean, really, really good display by Hamburg. Um, they're facing Heidenheim next. Um, going to be a very interesting game. Um, so, I'm, yeah, we, this is definitely a game to watch out on the weekend. I know we don't have a lot of those um, this weekend if you compare it to the weeks before. But I think um, for both clubs, very, very important just to to figure out where the rest of the season is going yeah i mean what hamburg did was exceptional and we and what we could have also mentioned is that david kinsombi had a goal chalked off just before half time which would have given hamburg a four goal lead heading into the break that was chalked off thanks to the video assistant referee um but the one thing that's starting to stand out with darmstadt considerably that they that their two strikers were very much missing. Uh, I was told that um, certain people were filing a police report to 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 find the two missing strikers, Philip Tietz and Luca Luca Pfeiffer, who uh, uh, have yet to be found, but they might turn up in Hanover on the weekend um, because they didn't really impact the game a lot. Defensively, they were obviously atrocious, and the big thing that is starting to come of this is their set piece defending. Nine goals conceded from set pieces. That's equal third worst with Dresden. Only a goal less than the, the two worst sides in the Svarta Bundesliga. It is concerning, but um, I think the, the thing for them is, okay, we lost. We're still top. We have a small points advantage because the, the next team we'll talk about didn't take advantage. However, our leeway is now much thinner than it once was because uh, you know you give up such goal difference to a team um, like Hamburg who, who really needed the goal difference as well. Um, against the teams around them. But uh, yeah, ultimately, massive win for Hamburg. It's a statement win 
Um, we are heading towards that time of the year uh, in a few weeks' time where things start to unravel for Hamburg. question is, will it this time, or will they push forward? Uh, I guess one last thing with this game and the next game we'll talk about is that this there was a world feed. Um, I kind of knew about it a while ago that uh, the DFL were going to implement a world feed for the Spider Bundesliga. James Thorogood, uh, who is also the host of Project Fußball for DW, uh, he was on the call of this game and the next game we're talking about. St. Pauli and Paderborn, that was the Saturday night kickoff at the Milan Tour. Just over 6,000 were in attendance to see the two all draw. St. Pauli having the lead twice, but coughing it up. Um, it means that they are now winless in their last five. Maxi Ditkin opened the scoring on five minutes. Uh, a wonderful pass by Amanido, founding Ditkin in a pretty dangerous area, and he had no problem finishing. Dennis Sabeni is going to be one player that will need to pick up his goal scoring output. He had none heading into match day 21, but he finally opened his account with a very, very good goal just before half time. However, on the stroke of half time, Etienne Aminudo, who's been continuing his excellent form since uh, retur- since actually being able to place it because uh, he missed the opening part of the season because of injury, he scored his second goal and it's his third goal in, I believe, three competitive games. So he's been in very, very good touch. But unfortunately, it was all for naught in the end. Marco Stieperman got his third goal of the season on 84 minutes. He has scored with all three shots on goal, which is very, very efficient. The substitute was good. And and you could argue Paderborn could have won this game. They very much had the better of it in the second half. They had a lot of control. Um, and uh, one person on Twitter mentioned that the uh, the walls are starting to crumble at the Milan Tour. And it, it's crazy how... The perspective kind of changes now with St. Pauli that they didn't look in control of this game. Paderborn very much dictated it, especially after conceding. Um, it's a very it's it's a very common thing. We see teams will sit back and be con- content. We'll talk about one team who did that on the weekend with a substitution that really signified that. But they seem very passive when they take the lead and it and, and it really played into Paderborn's hands. Yeah, and the thing is that we've seen this a couple of times this uh, season so far. And, I mean, um, they're still unbeaten at home. I mean, this was the game, uh, best home team versus uh, best away side. Um, so it's, it was kind of the question who straight is going to break in this game. They decided um, no one's <laughs> kind of... Um, but yeah, I mean, exactly what you said. I mean, after their first goal, um, they let Paderborn took over. And Timo Schultz said in an interview after the game, um, when they won possession, when they won the ball, they didn't really create any sort of um, opportunities up front. And I mean, they, they we know we ha- they have the quality to do so, but I mean, it took them where it needed a goal by Paderborn, the the Srebeni goal for, for St. Pauli to wake up again. And I mean then we we did see very good combination of football with um Ditgen. I mean he was quite good in this game uh, with Ditgen, Burgsteller, Ditgen again and then Aminido, especially this two worked very well in this game obviously. But um yeah you you gotta ask the question why they didn't continue. 
Um, and especially in the second half, really, really strong half by Paderborn, because, but it had a lot to do with Zhang Pauli letting them do that at home in their own stadium. I mean, as a fan there, I would have been quite unhappy on how that second half went because, I mean, Zhang Pauli had chances, but throughout the season, they were always very deadly in front of the goal and the chances they created throughout that game weren't that good. I mean, they, they have the higher XG, but I, just from the way Paderborn, yeah, just how they performed on the pitch, I think that draw was highly deserved. And um think especially one one play you have to point out, I mean, it was a get, first game without Sven Michel, who obviously um, took the journey up to... Um, on your Berlin after Max Kruse left, but um, I, I really want to point out um, Muslia here. It's, it was a second game for Paderborn, and I really like him so far. I think um seen some some good teamwork by him. Um, I mean, I think the the Vera game as well, and yeah, that I I really liked him in general. I I did did really like what Paderborn did in the second half. I mean, it's going to be interesting for both teams what's going to happen next because um, Zhang Pauli really need to go back. I mean, they they thought maybe they could afford having that time where they weren't bringing on the 100%. Um, but the other teams are really knocking on the door. I mean, Darmstadt lost on the weekend, but um, and they couldn't really use that to climb back on, on, on the table. I mean, obviously, this was the night before, but, yep, I don't want to say worrying, but just they are, they have to be on the lookout that they are getting back to, to their good shape that they were in, in 2021. Yeah, it is in both in both respects... Like when you have a battle like this, it was good that it was uh, given a prime time slot, um, as it was. But uh, yeah, the, the cracks are slowly starting to show for St. Pauli. No clean sheets since match day eleven against Hansa Rostock. Obviously, being passive is a problem, but the midfield's starting to get beat quite easily, and it's putting a lot of pressure on that defence and and. Maybe there needs to be a structural change in in the way that Timo Schultz is implementing the squad, uh, implementing the starting eleven because the current shape, which usually has the three um, central midfielders and then a number ten behind the two strikers, is putting them under a bit of stress. Even though you'd think that they would be able to control this um, <clears throat> by having such control, having such a tight formation, but it's not really working. Paderborn had all kinds of avenues to goal, and 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 in my opinion, anyway, they they felt a little bit unlucky not to get a result. But um, mm, they need to turn it around, uh, and they've got Jan Regensburg away, um, so maybe they can pick up something there. Let's go to our final game of Group One: Schalke against Jan Regensburg. Ten thousand packed into the Felton's Arena. For a very, very interesting contest. Schalke started the brighter. They had a couple of opportunities. Thomas Ovian was speculative with his free kick in the first half. From the touchline near where the dugouts were. Him uh, hitting the crossbar and almost catching Alexander Meyer off guard. 
But on 32 minutes, Jan Regensburg would take the lead. No one really closing out quick enough to stop Andreas Albers' long-range effort, beating Martin Freisel, and Jan would take the lead heading into the break. Schalke continued to push in the second half, and it really was the substitution of Marius Bulta that unlocked the Schalke attack. His header finding Simon Terodde for his 15th goal of the campaign. Bulta would be there again. His header from the Thomas Ovuyan free kick on 73 minutes, finding substitute Malik Chow for his first goal of the campaign. And that was all she wrote for this one. It wasn't easy. It wasn't as easy as Schalke would have liked it. Andreas Wienerheimer, who was, of course, fantastic in that game against Erzgebirge Auer, seeks to come to a calf injury. He'll miss the next couple of weeks. It looks like Ryan, uh, Raftel will, will play that role for the next few weeks. They got Dusseldorf away on Sunday. But um, despite the defeat for Jan, there are some positives to take from it. Thought they were very good on the counter-attack. Carlo Bukalfa in particular had a couple of very good efforts. One that rattled the post. But in the end, this league and, and all sports, it's a win and losses re- uh, affair. Either it's their sixth defeat in their last ten in all six six games they've lost in that run they've conceded two or more goals defensively it's becoming an issue um they can't stop crosses it seems uh, and as we saw with the two goals they conceded they didn't have an answer for those yeah and i mean in general i want to say i think it was a quite good football game to watch as a neutral spectator i mean um if you compare it to the game in the first leg, I think you could really see that Schalke, although they Ringsburg took the lead first here, Schalke has finally put up the fight, kind of with the Zweite Liga, at least it felt for me, mm. that they were kind of understanding that it doesn't always need to be the most beautiful football, the best tactics. Sometimes it's just enough to have the right substitutions. And I mean, was really the fact in in this case, um, Berta, Chilinov and Chao were really making the difference when they were coming in. And I mean, this is a quality Shaikhanufi has over, I want to say, clubs that don't have the reputation, the the financial power in a way as well. Um, and they use that very wisely. And I think that's something, although this, it wasn't like a 5-1 win, I, but I personally, I think Schalke can take more away from this game than they could from the hour game. And I know it mm. sounds a bit weird, but um, just the way they fought, fought back in this game um, was really important. And I mean, the thing is with, with Regensburg, that was, if you look at the first goal, I actually even took a screenshot because I thought it, it looked, looked a bit funny. Um, you actually have kind of four players where like... I don't know, 30, 27 meters in, in before the goal. You have a line of four Schalke players. Then you had a Ringsburg and a Schalke player um, at the same time. And then you had four Ringsburg players. So it was very visible that Ringsburg always tried to equal the number of players to push forward. And one of those players in this four line of Ringsburg was Andreas Albers. It wasn't the, the Ringsburg player who was up front with the other Schalke player, um, but I really liked the way Ringsburg executed that goal um, and how Schalke were too passive in that situation. There, were, there wasn't... Ringsburg wasn't 
a player more or something like that. They just really well planned how this is going to go and how to push the Schalke defense line back towards their own box. And at the same time, them expecting there's going to be a final pass, but then Alba's taking that goal with the 10th goal from, from a distance for Regensburg this season. Um, I think that was, that was a really good goal, in my opinion. But as I said, um, for Schalke, a good result. I mean, those are the games. If you win them in the end, it's... It gives you um, a bit of more, a bit more confidence uh, going forward, and and they did. And actually, if you compare it in the end, there, there was actually another club where would I would say um, something similar ha- has happened. Yeah, I, I think your point about the initial the, the 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 first game between the two, for me was spot on because we saw early in the season when Schalke would go a goal down. They still had remnants of that team from last season where um, they would fold like a deck of cards and, and you knew the game was kind of... It played its part. Um, but they did show a lot of... They showed some good fight. <clears throat> and the substitutes obviously worked. I know we saw Chilinov only play uh, a small part in the game before being subbed out uh, for a defensive change to, to really hold station where I, I personally would like them to go for a third goal and, and increase to a two-goal cushion. But, hey, I'm not the coach, and that's why the Grimotsis is, is the manager. And his, his obvious situation is really interesting, being he's out of contract at the end of the year. Um, I know that there would be a few people who'd be keen on someone like a Ruger Schmidt, but because uh, he's leaving Eindhoven at the end of the season. But, you know, he probably only gets to come if they are in the Bundesliga and... If Schalke in the Bundesliga, it'd be hard. It'd be rather un- almost. It would feel almost unjust if Grimotsis didn't get the role. But you know, the managerial quality is very, very different. <clears throat> I think overall, losing losing that that sort of diversity with Vinheim and and you know, it looks like they're gonna they might end up reverting to the same tactics in terms of the over reliance on 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 uh, Ovuljan. It's not really the the way you want it. Hopefully, Ramftel can be an option going out wide. Would also like to see Bulter start. I think the thing is, um, this season, I would say Bulter and Toronto have been the best combination together. I'm not really sure Peeringer and Toronto really work together because they do a lot of the same things in the end. Um, and, and, it's, and for me, Peeringer actually plays a lot better with Chulinov when those two are the top two. So... It is interesting to see how they're going to tactically judge that, uh, juggle that when they play Dusseldorf on the weekend. Uh, but in the grand scheme of the thing, it was a massive win for Schalke, considering the results elsewhere. Let's take our first break, and on the other side, we will discuss that incredible game at the Max Morlock Stadion. It's Nuremberg and Ingolstadt coming up. If you'd said heading into match day 21 that Ingolstadt would beat Nürnberg at the Max Morlock Stadion, I might not have believed you. If you'd then told me that Ingolstadt would have put five past Nürnberg, well, I would ask if you were a time traveller. However, that was reality on Friday night when Ingolstadt and Rudiger Rehm absolutely destroyed Nürnberg at home in front of 10,000 fans who were whistling within the opening 10 minutes of what was an extraordinarily frustrating game for the club. But for Deschanza, it was pure bliss. 
and the goals rained upon the Max Morlock Stadium when Florian Pick opened the scoring on 13 minutes. Dennis Eckert Ayenzo, who was the best player by a country mile in this game, he got his first goal of the season. He then would assist Philip Bill Beer, excuse me, uh, on 41 minutes for his fourth goal of the campaign. That was um, a very, very good assist in the end. He would then feed Patrick Schmidt on 49 minutes just after half time. It was pretty obvious to me that it was a shot, but it found Patrick Schmidt who turned past Christian Matenia. At this stage, a life jacket wouldn't have been enough to save Matenia. And on 18 minutes, Valmir Suleimani, who joined from Hanover in the winter, he gets his first goal of the season. And Ingolstadt slowly closed the gap to our. But will they close the gap to Dusseldorf and Sandhausen? Who is to know? The things are evident that Ingolstadt are starting to roll and the Remolution is very much in play. In five games under Rudy Rudiger, Ingolstadt have kept two clean sheets. In their previous 15 games, they'd only kept one. Hmm. Says a lot. Dion Stojankovic was in goals. Uh, and Stojankovic produced a pretty solid display. Although, let's be frank, any of us could have played goalkeeper that night and not felt challenged. Evo, this was one of the upsets of the match day. Not at least because of the scoreline, but one player who's finally someone we someone we talked about at the start of the season who's finally arrived in this fight of Bundesliga. It was Dennis Ekerdienza, one goal and three assists. He was in Kickers Team of the Week for a reason. What a stellar display from him, and what a stellar what a five star performance it was from Ingolstadt. Yeah, and I mean, they were the better team from the first minute on, or even the first second. Everything they did on the pitch, the way they did went forward or they go forward um they're just the, the pressing night was really really impressive um and i mean I, I gotta say just in general i wasn't overly convinced with the appointment of rudy garim because um in my opinion if you have or if you're lacking stability in defense he isn't the best coach but in going forward he is and i gotta say um you have to say under Rüdiger Rehm, Ingolstadt developed a lot. And I mean, not to, I know, just give him a final kick. But if you really compare what Rüdiger Rehm did since he was there to to what Andre Schubert did, um, I think it's actually interesting in a way to watch Ingolstadt games now. And he did that and he did that in a very good fashion and I mean they're not as reliable on, on Stefan Kutschke as they were seasons ago and I think that's really good and I mean as you've mentioned Dennis Akadayenza was brilliant in this game he took his time to arrive in the Zweite Liga but um, in general he had a lot of fast in this game, Florian Pick obviously as well and, and I think 42 uh, Zweite Bundesliga game was his, was his first goal, he needed 41 shots in target to get there um, so, so shot on target for each game, kind of. Um, yeah, and I mean, they, the defense, there were two or three times where Nuremberg was breaking through that final line, but then uh, Stojanovic was there when he was needed um, for those um, four shots on target, and the, the defending was very well executed. Um, and I mean, it wasn't like Nuremberg had no chances at all, but I think it just came too late didn't help that uh, with the first game where the fans were back um they saw this and 
I mean, it took 30 minutes to score the goal for Ingolstadt, but as I said, um, the first 30 minutes were already really good by Ingolstadt. And um, yeah, I mean, you could even argue that Nuremberg were lucky that they yeah. were 11 players on the pitch for, for those 90 minutes, right? Because in my opinion, that tackle by Scheffler where mm. he fouls and then just goes behind the Ingolstadt player again, um, it's not fair play. And in my opinion, it's what we call in German like a Frostfoul. Um, and in my opinion, this should be a red card. Um, there is, yeah, I, I don't really have any kind of explanation why it wasn't overruled. I think uh, he could have been very lucky, um, especially some that experienced kind of player like Scheffler. Um, don't do that. It's very unnecessary. It doesn't help the team doesn't help the the situation on the pitch at all especially not if you're being sent off um and so yeah for for Ingolstadt um they put themselves in a position where that game against Sandhausen on the weekend is a much closer one than it was a couple of months ago and mm. as mentioned before a lot of people including me um, are surprised by that fact because I think compared to the last two years where you had Wien and Würzburg already very early in the season kind of okay they're picking up points now and then but you don't really see the chance that are going to stay in the league um, this year with Ingolstadt they look like they're going to be making three out of three in that case but the way they fought back the way they're yeah putting their name back on, on the table it's it's really impressive, and um, I think we're going to have a really interesting fight, not only for who is going to go up to the Bundesliga, but also who is going to go down to the Dritte Liga. Yeah, and, and on, on all three leagues, it's still very, very much open for discussion, and <clears throat> Ingolstadt still have a long road to get out of the bottom two, but this was a great step in the right direction. They look fantastic. Nerdberg, on the other hand, were, well, hmm. Well, they were atrocious, obviously. Um, they clearly missed Asgar Sorensen in defense. Both fullbacks were just awful um, from a positional standpoint. Uh, and even just from ta just the basics, they did none of them, neither of them were in Handwerk and Valentini did anything. It never felt like they did anything right. Um, and as a goalkeeper, you don't really feel good about that. But there's two things that really stand out. In the year and a half Robert Klaus has been in charge, this is the third time they've conceded five goals. Um, that's not great. Um, and when you look at the results around the league, um, they missed a massive opportunity. This was a game on paper that they should have won, and comfortably. Um, but as we've seen in recent, in, in recent months, defensively, they are just not the same team. They are not the, 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 the real lockdown, ensure that chances are really difficult. Teams are finding it really easy to crack the code, go into the vault, steal the loot, and get back home. And and Ingolstadt took the bag with ease. They said, thank you for the three points. We'll put five past you, and we'll be on our way. And they did that with relative ease. So Nuremberg really need Florian Hubner. We haven't seen much of him this season because of injury they need Sorensen and they really need to rethink the structural play defensively because it's far too easy for teams to pick them apart 
especially when they're coughing the ball up in dangerous situations. Let's go to the Visor Stadion then. Werder Bremen took on Kalsero. Bremen, of course, are unbeaten under Oli Werner. Five consecutive wins heading into this one. Would they make it six? On 51 minutes, Marvin Dux hoped he did, and he would. His 12th goal of the campaign, after a wonderful through ball was played. He was on the end of glorious ball, scoring, and it looked all well. Philip Hoffman then said, no dice, let's equalize this. A glorious goal from him, it's his 11th, 10th goal of the season, excuse me. It's his 10th goal of the campaign. And Karlsruhe, who have been in rather difficult form of late, hoping they could get a point. But unfortunately, 14 minutes before the end of regular, regular time, Anthony Jung would head a home, his second goal of the campaign, and it was a sixth consecutive win for Werder Bremen. They remain in third. They close the gap with St. Pauli, and of course, Darmstadt, they bring Hamburg and Schalke and Heidenheim with them. It is the first time that they have failed to score three or more goals under Oli Werner, but Oli Werner won't really care. It was a better defensive display by them. Uh, they really limited Karlsruhe's chances. Um, it's really hard to, to, to really pick from Karlsruhe's perspective what's gone wrong um, because not only did they lose this game, but they were beaten 2-0 at home by Sandhausen last night, Tuesday uh, night, if you're listening to this podcast on any other day by Wednesday. It's not looking good, um, Eva, because with those two results, they're only six points above Fortuna Dusseldorf, who currently occupy the relegation playoff spot. Um, they now have only won once in their last five games. It's becoming a bit concerning. We know that there could be a lot of upheaval in the offs in the in the summer um, transfer market, but uh, yeah, they they you know a team that we thought could be in the mix has started to really struggle in a bad way, and and it really starts at the defensive end. Yeah, and I mean, just it's not even or not only that they defensively had a lot of moments where. Um, they are not really present where they are not doing enough to secure that they're not going to concede by actually going forward. It's really, really poor as well. I mean, Brim was throughout the game. They were the better team. And although it looked a, re- a bit close after the Hoffman goal, um, Brim was, was the better team. And although they um, weren't as dominant and, and just having a lot of chances or a lot of dangerous chances in my opinion um they look like they're going to win this game either way and Karlsruhe actually this was the same last night um or Tuesday night as you've mentioned the commentator kept saying okay one nil down Karlsruhe still has chances to to get into this but the only team we really saw playing was Sandhausen, and this actually says a lot, especially when you talk about the Sandhausen away from home. And um, then after the second goal, the, the commentator kept saying, they still have like 10 minutes, that anything can happen. I was like, dude, are you watching a different game like, than me? Like everything Karlsruhe is doing going forward, it's, I mean, it looked, Sometimes it looked good until they reached the box. And then it was just 
nothing there and it was I mean the the game on, on against Vera on Saturday I mean it wasn't a good football game especially not in the first 20 minutes or even in the first half um, got better in the second half but that was mainly because Bremen put another step on or like yeah was just a bit better and I mean we we saw a good um, bomb in this game as well. Really liked him. Uh, interesting to see mm. whether he gets more time um, in the following games. But yeah, in in general, Karlsruhe. I mean, it fits in a way. It fits to their season. I mean, I had them. If I looked at the la- at last season and even the season before, they always have that phase where you think, okay, they can actually be one of the teams next season that can I know like challenge the bigger clubs for promotion but as like this season goes on and on and I have the feeling they much rather have to look what is happening in in the bottom table bottom half of the table than in the top and I think um they really need to get off that need to fix this because the game against Nürnberg can be a very important one because we have we see two teams now who yet yeah, don't have especially in the last game but I would say Nürnberg is in a bit better form even though they lost 5-0 to Ingolstadt <clears throat> but yeah it's not going to be easy for them to win on the weekend mm, I guess the great thing about like this season has been taking a retrospective view on, on what was predicted at the start of the season. I'm pretty confident I was drinking the Kool-Aid and some um, with with how the season has panned out. But for Karlsruhe, it's just it's a real mystery to see where their form has just completely fallen away. Um, they've lost all confidence. And Marius Gersbeck was good in this game. You know, we'd seen him made a few mistakes over the journey this season. But he was very, very solid and probably... A bit unlucky, didn't get a lot of support in this one. Bremen, of course, six on the trot. What does this mean for them? Of course, it means they're level on points with St. Pauli, and only goal difference separates Bremen from being in the top two. But they're also one point away from Darmstadt, and a win against Hansa Rostock at home, and results going their way, they could be on top of the table. Who would have thunk it? Certainly not I. Our final Group 2 game was in Dresden. An Ost-Duel, as it were. Dynamo Dresden against Hansa Rostock. Dresden, of course, coming off that 0-0 in Hanover. Rostock looking for a win. And it felt like they've been, it had been coming. But there was some big news before the game when Kevin Brawl was ruled out with a fractured hand. Anton Mitruskin, the Russian shot-stopper, was given the opportunity to make his Svarta Bundesliga debut. Mitruskin was actually on Dusseldorf's books at the end of last season, and he joined on a free. Um, but I guarantee you he did not expect the baptism of fire that he received. As Hansa Rostock scored four times in the opening 18 minutes to put this game well and truly out of reach. We know that they, they Hansa played like a team that had been extraordinarily frustrated with their inability to score goals at home. So they took, vented out all the frustration in Dresden. Jean Verhoek and Niels Fruling were the goal scorers. A brace each. Fruling getting his first two goals of the season. Verhoek now has 12. Julius Carter was the only bright spot with his wonderful goal on 63 minutes. But um, 
another one of those teams who had an interpretive um, idea on how defending was. Um, and my sympathies go to Matruskin because he still made nine saves in the game and he gave up four goals. It tells you everything you need to know about the defensive display Dresden put up. And much like Nuremberg, their fans were less than impressed. What does this mean for Rostock? Well, they leapfrog Dinamo on on the table. And goal difference, they're ahead because they've scored more goals this season. Eva, it seems a few teams really struggle to get outside, get out of the international break and back into the rhythm of things. Dresden were one of those teams on that Super Sunday where there were seven goals in the opening, 18 minutes of play. This was extraordinary. We know Hansa have had such a tough time scoring, but boy, did they make it look easy. Yeah, and I mean, the funny thing is we kept talking about what is going to happen if John Fairhook doesn't score, um, his replacements or the alternatives don't really do the deed. And... Rostock decided, okay, let's get someone new in, and that was Nils Fröhling, and that Dugo worked perfectly on the weekend. Um, it, they they chose an alternative, or not really an alternative, but in addition to Fahok, and um, not only did both players score a brace, but um, they they yeah really worked well together, and I think Rostock found a good way doing that. I mean. This is the first game. We said the same with Fairhawk as a solo player up front there. But um, I think they, they pushed the right buttons um, for now. And um, yeah, I actually didn't have didn't write down a lot for this game because the goals were so similar. The way Dresden completely gave up defending... Um, in box, out of the box, it was really horrible. I mean, Elas and Zobauer, the central defenders, Ooh. weren't in the game at all at any stage in the first half. And um, yeah, if you if you <laughs> score four goals in the first opening twenty minutes, you don't have to do a lot afterwards. And um, at no point whatsoever, it looked like Dresden is going to pull a Schalke against Dortmund and score four goals in the, in the second half. <laughs> and um, although the colors would kind of match in a way, just yeah. reversed. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. For, for us, like, this was the right answer to, to a couple of weeks where they didn't score a lot or not at all. And for Dresden, I'm I'm not completely sure um, where to put them. Um, that nil draw against Hanover was already a very poor performance by them. Um, had to thank Broy for what he did, but um, yeah, in, in this game, especially against an opponent who got promoted with you. To the to the Zweite Liga, who is on more on an, an eye level than any other club. I mean, even putting out English that there, you gotta offer more because mm. this is this is not how to go, and they didn't. And um, yeah, they're playing Paderborn next at home. I think so. Paderborn at home, um, in Paderborn. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> not making it any better. Um, and yeah, this is Paderborn isn't the strongest side at home if you compare it to other clubs. Uh, this is going to be 
a place to turn it around or at least offer some some reaction show some reaction to what happened on the weekend because this is this is how you make everything more difficult for yourself to stay in the league yeah performances like that at home yes your number one wasn't playing and understandably at a fraction and he was so good in the week before but um yeah you're right all the goals were very similar to um, they either came from out wide or, or Mitruskin made the initial save and and the Rostock attacker, whether it was Verhoek or Frulling, were just the first ones to react to, to, to the ball being in dispute. Um, and, yeah, those second chance opportunities, we talk, you, you talk about those in a lot of sports like hockey and and, and, and very much in football. And, and that was the case. That was the difference for Hansa. And, and those the four attacking players, especially... Hanno Behrens, Fruling, John Verhoek, and, and Harris Dulevich, who of course played at Dinamo a few years ago, oh, they were outstanding, and it was no wonder um, they they won. But they could have won by more. That's the crazy part. They were so dominant in the opening 45 that they very much put Dresden into submission. An interesting stat to come out of this, if we go back in time, it is the first time that Hansa Rostock have scored four goals in a Spider Bundesliga game for almost... 10 years it would be 10 years on saturday they did that on match day 21 same match day this time it was against emmersfeld duisburg so maybe they can do it again at home they have Werder bremen on the weekend and let's see if there's actually a hex on those goals at the oster stadion for hansa or this time they'll break their duck at home let's take our final break and on the other side we'll discuss the final three games of match day starting at the voice arena when heidenheim host hanover <laughs> Heidenheim were hoping to make it three wins out of their last four when they hosted Hanover on Friday night. As Dorothy once said, there's no place like home. And Heidenheim very much likes to win at home. And they were able to do so with a little bit of luck. Because on four minutes, uh, the slapstick comedy was out. Jonas Forenbach's delivery in was initially attempted to be cleared by a Hanover player. And it was unfortunately cleared into the head of Nicholas Holt, cannoning off the post and into the goal. Then on 33 minutes, Tobias Moore gave Heidenheim a two-goal lead when Robert Leipertz teed him up and he smashed it past Ron Robert Zieler. But two minutes later, Hanover would get a goal back. Nicholas Holt, who I'm sure was still okay, hopefully not concussed, delivered a beautiful ball into Cedric Toykert, who completely whiffed his effort but it found Maximilian Bayer, Bayer with his second goal of the campaign. Just after halftime, the final goal of the game. Linson Miner's loose pass to Toykert was intercepted by Tobias Moore, and from a good 35 metres out, Moore unloads the, uncorks the genie, and his curling shot beats the tips of Ron Robertsela, and arguably one of the goals of the season. This game really, and the, the Friday itself, kicked off the carnage of match day 21. Um, Eva, there are already rumblings in Hanover that the the spark has already run out for Christoph Dabrowski after two after this performance and the, the game they should have won against Dinamo. But was it as bad as they are saying 
obviously, uh, Dabrowski mentioned at the end of the game, it was it was a defeat well deserved. Um, and the one thing that seemed very clear is the turnovers in crucial areas. They were punished for those. But but is it is it as bad as as the uh, the Hanover media say it is, or are we just thinking very much short sighted and that recency bias has creeped in once again? Um, the thing is going forward um, if they were going forward um, it wasn't that bad but in the end only one shot on goal is just uh, shot on targeting excuse me is just not something that you should do uh, to get any kind of result I mean most of the time that's not going to help. And I mean, this is what we spoke about. There are a lot of wins under Dabrowski where that one moment of individual quality by Linton Minor, um, we haven't seen that so far. And I mean, honestly, if you look back at the Pokal performance against Gladbach and we were all hoping they could take that confidence into the league. And honestly, I haven't seen it since. Um, it's just yeah in a way disappointing to see what they're doing I mean Heidenheim was very dominant throughout this game um they're they're the second of the home table so they yeah as you've mentioned there's no place like home for them um after after Hanover get did get that one back by Maximilian Bayer where there were a lot of VAR discussions but was rightly given um I, I was, re- was really missing that sort of reaction, that sort of, okay, we got one back, it's two on, uh, we're still in the game, but that didn't really happen. And so, um, yeah, the, the score she could have even been higher for Heidenheim, in my opinion. They had a couple of chances. Kleindienst actually didn't even get um, a shot on, or I think he didn't get a shot on target, or at least... Most of them were off target, actually. Um, and, yeah, I mean, similar to the to the uh, English-Dynamic game, there was a situation between uh, Kleindienst and Miner. Uh, we had the feeling uh, Miner's uh, control was leaving him. I think you could discuss a red card here as well. I mean, in the end, it's okay that it was given he was given a, a yellow card, but, um, yeah... In general, Hanover is back to the place, in my opinion, where they were before Dabowski and Zimmerman. I don't really see a lot of changes. Um, I mean, Dabowski won the games, but um, still, I'm still thinking that maybe Zimmerman would have won those games as well. Maybe he just missed that kind of luck. Um, or a Linton Miner who was functioning in a way. Um, yeah, for Heidenheim... Their travel to Hamburg, away from home. So um, I, I don't know about you, not a huge optimist that they're going to get points there, especially because Hamburg is in a very good mood at the moment. And um, yeah, it's for, for Hanover, that Darmstadt game is going to be huge. Yeah, both teams have massive games that could really define their season or at least play a big part into whether it becoming a positive outcome or one that, you know, they'll be fighting for their lives, especially for Hanover. 
but yeah, the the lack of real creativity was very apparent in this game. It's very hard to set the tone when you give up such a slapstick goal like they did. Ondua was trying to do the right thing. It's just um, the rest of it was was rather comedic in the end. Um, but yeah, I think Heidenheim is really interesting. We know they've been very very strong at home this season, but have been vulnerable on their travels. We know they give Hamburg a really good shake of it, but I'm not entirely sure if they'll have enough. Hamburg are in great form, obviously, and they've got the best defensive record in the league. They've conceded less than a goal a game after 21 match days, which is is very, very impressive. But who knows? You know, Heidenheim is known for really upsetting the apple cart, and maybe they might get a result. It will be very interesting watching on Saturday afternoon. Let's move on to the Hartfold BWT Stadion of Hartfold, Sandhausen, Erzgeberger. Our three and a half thousand made their way to see a Sandhausen win. Sebio Suku from the spot and the Hartfold Messi, Christian Kinsombi, who produced a spectacular individual effort, dribbling past at least what felt like a, a thousand orange jerseys before. His initial shot was saved by Martin Manuel, but he picked up the pieces, much like all the goals I scored in FIFA. What does this mean? It means that after Sandhausen's win last night against Fortuna Dusseldorf, they're out of the bottom three. Three points clear of Fortuna, who we'll talk about afterwards. For Auer, the misery continues. Uh, they looked decent and dangerous from set pieces, but unfortunately did not have the magic formula uh, of finding the back of the net either. We know Sandhausen has had a lot of change in terms of personnel. We saw debuts for Thomas Tribal, who was at Hanover, but uh, he left on a mutual consent, joined Sandhausen. Uh, and uh, substitute appearances for Maurice Deville, who joined from Saarbrücken, and Eric Burko from Darmstadt. All very deep, the, the last two in particular, decent attacking players, gives them a bit more depth and diversity when it's not working with Pascal Testrot. A very good performance from them, and the signs are slowly picking up. Maybe Alias Schwarz has turned this around uh, in the short term, but how he fits the rest of the personnel will be very, very interesting. But overall, very, very good result for them. Yeah, I definitely would fully agree. And I mean, um, they they were very confident in this game, um, didn't let themselves rumble from that first chance. Our head, I mean, this seems to be. The thing now, I will always has the first chance by Ovosu in each game, but they lose the game in the end anyway. So that's not, I uh, know, a tradition you really want to pick up. Um, I mean, you got to talk about that penalty. Obviously, his elbow mm. is a bit high, um, but just I think maybe Gladbach fans shouldn't see this. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean... Our did did offer something going forward. In my opinion, Sandhausen's defense was a bit lucky from time to time. Um, sometimes it didn't really look like a whole system, but either like first drill, just get it out of the box in any way possible. Um, if you compare it, for example, to the game against Karlsruhe, I thought that was a, a bit more systematic in a way. Um 
Yeah, especially towards the end after that second goal, um, Sandhausen got better and better. And um, yeah, foul once again for that second goal in box defending. I keep saying this, I keep sounding like a broken record, but I don't know. I mean, never mind the fact that MLU trend if coaches say something about we gotta be manly and we gotta fight it and just runs around in shorts, fight it very toxic and very unnecessary um yeah it's it, it was two really good results for Sandhausen um but the thing is I really want to point out is that they're going to need to continue this against Ingolstadt because if it, they lose the game that game they let Ingolstadt come very close to being that what we were talking about earlier really putting themselves in a position of challenging everybody else and the bottom and um, in my opinion if you compare our and Ingolstadt at the moment Ingolstadt is the is the better side this side with more prospects and um, so yeah it's going to be very very important what happens Sunday afternoon for both teams especially for or but with both teams Sandhausen and Ingolstadt for our um, they are traveling or they have Kiel at home. They're playing Kiel at, in hours. Just really needing to get my head around how I phrase <laughs> sentences like that. Um, yeah, and I mean, they Kiel, we're going to talk about them next or last but not least, kind of. Um, they aren't the best, like one of the strongest side in the league at the moment, but the problem is that they're picking up the points they need. And for our, this could really kind of put a nail in the coffin, kind of. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a lot of important games. I mean, not for, just from the football point of view, um, not really interesting, but just table-wise, really, really just, yeah, going forward, what will happen to a couple of clubs. Uh, it's going to be an interesting weekend there. Yeah, I think um, our might be in a situation where they may have to make a decision. We've seen a team, a couple of teams around them make coaching changes, and we know they've already made a change this season. After, I think it was seven or eight games, they moved on from Alexei Spilevsky for Mark Hensel, who was an assistant. Um, but, you know, this is the fourth game in their last six where they've failed to keep a click, or they failed to score, um, and, and they've obviously fail to to win those games and they just don't do enough in the final third to create high quality scoring chances um uh, their best opportunity was that the one from Dirk Carlson inside the six yard box which was blocked and then the second chance effort was also blocked again um it's a tough it's a tough one they 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 um they look very disheveled and, and you know, they, they're a team that really thrives on home results and they haven't been getting those results of late. Um, so it makes Friday night's game a massive game for them. Last but not least, Kiel, Fortuna Dusseldorf, close out our Match Day 21 review. This was the only game that was behind closed doors at the Holstein Stadion. Dusseldorf should have taken the lead early on. Robert Botzinek should have scored. 
But uh, after Thomas Dana criminally gave, literally gave him the ball uh, inside the penalty area, uh, but Botsenek was not able to score. We did see debuts for Daniel Ginsek and Jordi Device. Uh, Device, of course, is a centre-back from Queen's Park Rangers. Ginsek, they bought from Wolfsburg, someone that Klaus Alofs is very familiar with. Both teams struggled with the conditions, and it was going to take a moment of magic to unlock this game. And on 93 minutes, Jonas Sterner, with a wonderful volley, beating Florian Kastenmeier, and Kiel steal the points. He is Kiel's youngest ever Svarte Bundesliga goal scorer at 19 years, 8 months, and 24 days. That's an obscure stat because they've had a lot of younger goal scorers, but just in this league, he is their youngest goal scorer. And he's, I think he's like the fifth youngest goal scorer in Svarte Bundesliga history. So that is something for him. As we saw Eva at the end of this game, a despondent look from the Düsseldorf players. And in the end, it would cost Christian Preusser his job. Last week, we mentioned how Klaus Alofs mentioned he's our guy. He's going to coach us through to the future. Um, but that turned out to be the classic kiss of death move. Uh, and the following week, he is out. In comes Daniel Tuyun. He was the previously at Hamburger Esval and, of course, Valfell Osnabrück. Uh, he is still the only black coach in the top leagues of German football. He was also the first. Now, I thought for Dusseldorf really tried their best in this game and they had their opportunities, but they unfortunately ran out of gas. They allowed four of Kiel's eight total shots in this game in the final 15 minutes and it did take something special to break down. Now what for Dusseldorf, um, Eva? It's now four defeats in a row. Yeah, and I, I really think that this is typical for a team that didn't really expect to be in that kind of position uh, before the season started and now doesn't really know how to handle it. Because, as you've mentioned, they weren't really that bad, but they really couldn't overturn their dominance into into goals and we've seen this a couple of times throughout the season especially in the last couple of games and um, I mean the guy in Daniel Ginshek he didn't have a single shot on target in in the game like, I think 75 minutes he played and um, yeah Ruta how not to use your dominance a guide by Fortuna Dusseldorf and I think Kia didn't offer anything throughout this game but because they were the one thinking, okay, we're just going to take that shot. And I kind of missed that for at that digital perspective, just take, getting someone in or just having one of the players saying, you know what, we're just taking the shot here now and it's going to be fine. And then, I mean, it did like Appelkamp, um, as you've mentioned, Botanik should have scored. But in general... Um, I don't even know if at this stage uh, a change of manager is going to help them because, um, I mean, uh, actually Thomas, no Thomas Novak uh, tweeted it, it after the game, um, just way too late of, of changing that position because we just had an international break. We had then four weeks before, we had um, at least two weeks where you could prepare and 
give the coach time to to get to know the players say even have a saying and who maybe to get in the when the transfer window is still open and now the transfer window is closed he comes there there's not going to be another international break until the end of march um at this stage everything can already be done and dusted for them that they're so far down that you have the feeling it's there's not going to be something that can turn it around so i don't really understand that i don't know why they thought okay this is the game where we change it now because at least this was one of the games where they actually had shots on target at least offer something and i don't know why they thought okay we look at everything you did so far this season but this is now where we're going to um buy you i i don't even think it's fair towards the coach mm. i don't think it's fair towards the team um and i don't think it helps anybody and it definitely doesn't help that klaus allows i mean i'm i'm always a fan of um the the sport sporting directors kind of not getting into that whole um yeah maybe we're going to fire him i mean at my own club they said no matter what frank hammer will be the coach until the end of the season didn't really have a good really really good impact on a couple of fans or just because if you look at the situation and it doesn't help it doesn't help at all and i just feel like i'm not really sure it's going to help especially if you look at you and how he left things at at the highest foul i just don't know because yeah as i i don't really there are some words and explanations missing um there for me yeah i tend to agree it is a the timing of it is just really really poor and it not only does a disservice to christian proeser who's who's clearly given 100 percent and tried very hard to change things but it, it just wasn't going to work. But now you give Daniel Tune 13 games. You're currently in the bottom three. Horrible run of form. And it's survivor all costs. It would have made a lot more sense to make the move during the winter break. He can pick the guys that he wants from the transfer window and not be stuck with guys that he might not want. Or that might not fit his system. Everything about this just doesn't make any sense. The timing is really bizarre. And it puts a lot of pressure on Tune to get results right away. He does have a contract until the end of 2023. And that's fine. But you need to get a result right away. And you host Schalke on Sunday. Um, that's a big game. Like That's a big game for both clubs. Because obviously Schalke want to stay in touch with the top the top group but also for fortuna who you know are only like five points ahead of our you know ingolstadt are picking up points and things are very very precarious very similar to this to nurnberg a few years ago where it just everything seemed to go wrong but it didn't really um reach that climax until you realized they were in the bottom three and things were going really really badly so it will be very interesting. I guess a quick word on Kiel because they deserve the Porters. They did just enough to get a result. It did take a bit of magic to do so. It's a wonderful day. It's a wonderful goal to score as your first fighter Bundesliga goal, let alone your first league goal for your, t- for, um, for your club. Um, 
it does put Kiel in a good position. They are very much sneaking up the table. We've spoken about this. Only three points behind Jan Regensburg, who are in a bit of a free fall, as we've mentioned before. Um, they are one of the form teams of the league. They're one of the top five teams that you know have been picking up points in the last five. So, yeah, things are looking good for them. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they go. Let's talk about our kick tip because I think we should definitely do that. Uh, Yannick remains at the top of the standings. He is seven points clear. 209 points is his total. Uh, Max Jakob Ost, since he's come on, since he uh, was on this podcast, has had it a bit tough, but he might get it back. Um, yeah, so it is quite interesting. There was two uh, overlapping match days because, of course, the, the change in fortune, Eva, uh, won one of the rounds match day 20 um, with a score of 18 congratulations but this week's winner from match day 21 was Prayer de HK USA with 19 I hope that I pronounced that correctly congratulations to you for being the winner this round now in terms of recommendations podcast wise nothing as such i think with daniel tune signing um i just shared this on my twitter i'm matthew carriage go follow also follow at eva underscore baller that's a that's a given um jonathan harding did an excellent piece on daniel tune at when he was at osnabrook being the first uh, black man to coach in the top leagues in germany it's still very apt today i highly recommend you go check it out if you want to learn more about the man managing Fortuna Dusseldorf. That's it for another edition of the Svarta Bundesliga podcast. We will be back on Wednesday to discuss all the action from match day 22. Until then, stay safe, enjoy your Svarta Bundesliga football, and we'll see you next time.